Stand with me if you're able to, though. We are going to start reading from verse 22. Again, the book of Romans, starting from Romans 15, verse 22. It says, For this reason I also have been much hindered from coming to you, but now no longer having a place in these parts, and having a great desire these many years to come to you, whenever I journey to Spain... I shall come to you, for I hope to see you on my journey and to be helped on my way there by you, if first I may enjoy your company for a while. But now I am going to Jerusalem to minister to the saints, for it pleased those from Macedonia and Achaia to make a certain contribution for the poor among the saints who are in Jerusalem. Verse 27, it pleased them indeed, and they are their debtors. For if the Gentiles have been partakers of their spiritual things, their duty also, their duty is also to minister to them in material things. Father in heaven, we ask that you would please open up your holy word, speak to us here, Lord, minister to us, show us how you are a God of grace, a God of peace, a God of mercy, the Father of mercies, and the God of all comfort. We thank you again for your love for us, that you sent your only Son, Jesus, our Messiah, our Savior, who took upon himself our sins and the sins of the world, died on the cross, resurrected. We thank you that you've given us a new life. And we ask, Father, can you please encourage us, help us to understand your word and to apply it. Help us today, for we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You guys could have a seat if you would. So Paul is opening up this passage here as we looked at previously. He's got his desire now for a long time. He wanted to visit the church in Rome. And that's, that's this book here. And he's closing out these final chapters by describing that here. He wanted to be with the Christians there in Rome. And now that he's finished preaching the gospel where... Christ was not named. In other words, the Gentile world that he had toured around with uh, and done preaching through as a missionary, he's, he feels that he's completed that journey, going and preaching the gospel in those regions. He now wants to go soon to Rome. And in verses 25 to 27, he's describing to, not just them, but to you and I, that he first had to go to Jerusalem and he wants to deliver a financial gift. Now, he had gone and preached through these Gentile regions. People got saved, and what happens is he gets saved, and now, wow, I owe Christ my life, and hearts are touched. And he's describing to them now what happened with the saints in Jerusalem. And in Jerusalem area, do you think it's predominantly Gentiles or Jews? Jews. So what would happen then, just like it is now, Still 2,000 years roughly later, you receive Yeshua as your Messiah, and then they could do what? Okay, you're no longer part of our family. Like, what? (laughs) Are you kidding me? Uh, We were just with Pastor Nathan up north a little while ago, and he came out of Judaism. Pray for him. Nathan Robinson, who's sharing how he came to receive Messiah. I asked him, you know, share a little bit. I want to hear more of your story. Because I, I don't get that chance too many times to talk to someone that came out of Judaism. And here it's like a lot of Jews in the New York City area. Uh, a lot of times when I speak with them, like, okay. <laughs> you know, they, they kind of hold you at a distance. So he shared how 
he had come to realize Yeshua is the Messiah and not like how he had grown up in Judaism, listening to the rabbis and others, how they paint the picture of how Christians are bad, evil, etc. Now keep in mind, for a lot of Jews, the name Christ or Christian is a bad word. Any of you guys know that? A lot of Jews in Orthodox Judaism, they will consider Hitler a Christian. A lot of us don't know that. We live like on the other side, like, oh, he's a bad, evil person. But there are a lot of things done in the name of Jesus Christ, so to speak, throughout the centuries that Jesus is looking at him like, I didn't do that. I didn't ask you to do that. You know, trying to eradicate Jews. Are you kidding? They're God's chosen people. So a lot of Orthodox Jews will consider the name Christ or Christian. It's an offense. So by the way, quick tip. If you're speaking with a Jew, try to use the term Messiah. Use their language. You're saying the same thing. Like, oh, no, that's my Jesus Christ. You can say Messiah. It's the same thing. You're using their language. It's not as offensive. Okay? You could even say Yeshua or Yehoshua. It's the same name. So a lot of them would be sort of offended. And so Nathan was sharing how he came to Christ and people like his, I think it was his grandma and grandpa kind of, they, they write him off. It's like, okay, you're no longer part of the family. That can happen. So during this time that Paul's describing the Christians, those who receive Messiah Jesus as their Messiah, as their Savior, they come out of Judaism, and what happened with the families and the people around, employers, think about this, and people there in the Jewish society in Jerusalem, you would be excommunicated. You'd be kicked out of synagogue. Uh, their lives would be threatened. You hear Paul as he goes and does the missionary journeys. People want to kill him simply for preaching the good news of salvation through Jesus. Now, we can't point the finger and blame the people, but who was behind it? It was Satan. Okay. So he's describing what would happen to the Jews, the Jewish people that received Yeshua as Messiah, as their Savior. They're getting born again. They get brought into a new family that's not just Jews, but also Gentiles. And as a result, many of these Jewish people who have yet to be converted that are in the Jerusalem area, well, they got mad. They got offended. They wanted to, many of them wanted to kill Paul. And what would happen to you as an individual, say if you're the only person in your family that's saved, which is common to us today, right? Who here might be the only one in your family <laughs> right, that's saved? And a similar thing, however minuscule to us today, could happen. So what would happen then is people would lose farms in Jerusalem. People would lose jobs. They would almost starve. And so as Paul went around to the Gentile world preaching the Good news of salvation through Yeshua, Messiah, trying to teach these idol worshipers. And you know, we have like atheists today. People weren't atheists. Everybody believed in some kind of a god or a statue pretty much in the old world. These people are coming out of that, receiving salvation through Jesus, and now their hearts are touched. And as Paul would go around the Gentile regions, they would, he would collect an offering, a financial gift to help the Christians in Jerusalem. So this is what he's describing here. And verse 27, since the Gentiles received, it says, spiritual things. Look at verse 27. They received spiritual things from the Jews that it's, quote, their duty, quote, to minister to them in material things. So they would give out of this sort of spiritual obligation. Hey, if you think about it to us today, it, these principles still exist. We owe a lot to the Jews, don't we? It's a Jewish Messiah. He came from the tribe of Judah. 
These are Jewish scriptures. Hold up the Word of God, family. These are Jewish scriptures, predominantly written by Jewish people. Think about this. The Hebrew scriptures in the Hebrew tongue. Uh, my background is Japanese-ish. I like to say ish because I'm a mutt. I'm a mix. Is the Japanese people as a society and culture are not studied here. It's not their language. It's translated into their tongue just like it's translated into English. But the people we study, they're the Jews. So I love meeting Jews. I, I go to a dentist uh, in Williamsburg area and I'm sharing with folks. I remember sitting in his chair throughout the years uh, sharing and telling him, hey, uh, my background is Japanese. We study, I study uh, your language. And he thought it was weird. It's like I, had, I was forced to grow up going to Hebrew school and, and going to yeshiva and realizing that, wow, I'm forced to do this until a certain age. I told him, I wish I would have grown up. like I'm a little jealous. I wish I would have learned and studied Torah in synagogue with Jewish people. He looks at me like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> that we have a love for your people. I told him, I support Israel. We pray for Israel. Now, as a Gentile, right now, amidst the culture we live in around the world, especially since, what, October 7th, those are good words to say to Jews. I support Israel. I pray for Israel. Why? That's not a Calvary Chapel thing. Many Calvary Chapels, because we love God's word and Jesus, and we study the entire Bible, one of the things we learn is that God will bless those that bless Israel. Actually says that in the word. And he will curse those that curse Israel. And throughout the centuries, whether it's Hitler, I mean, think of all the people that God allowed to be risen up, they all try to eradicate the Jews. The most, how do you say, persecuted people on the planet. They were people without a place for almost 2,000 years. And in the 1940s, they were rebirthed as a nation. But yet they had their culture, their language, everything intact. That's never happened. So they're entitled to that land, to that property. Now, there's a lot of Palestinians like, no, no, they're invaders. No, they're not. The, the area is called the promised land. So if we read and study our Bibles, these are things that were promised to the Israelites, the Hebrews, the Jews. Okay, and God will bless those that bless Israel. Right now, we are seeing persecution. It's not a political thing. People try to politicize it. There are a lot of Christians including some denominations that are into the BDS movement. Anybody hear of the BDS movement? Boycott, divest, sanction. That's of Satan. And there's many people, including some Presbyterian denominations, that in years back, not too long ago, they totally uh, you know, boycott, they want to boycott Israel, divest, don't invest in Israeli banks, or don't fly on Israeli airlines, don't even invest in Israeli companies or technology. And sanction them. Shame them. That's of Satan. Okay. And that's become a political thing, but also as religiously it's crept into the church. I believe it's part of the end time scenario where we know in the end times how many nations will be against Israel. All. What about the United States? That includes the United States, doesn't it? So in the world, the non-Christian world looks at the United States and they consider us Christian. You and I here, like, this is like post-Christian. It's pretty bad here. <laughs> and some of them, the folks we grow up with and around, is not even post-Christian. A lot of kids, they've never heard of Jesus being the Savior. Okay? That's why you look at like Christmas. I remember as a kid growing up, 
in California, you hear about Christmas, and then slowly you see the Xmas, taking Christ out of Christmas. And Christians would complain, don't take Christ out of Christmas. Today, kids have no basis to understand why we're trying to fight for that or why you guys are going crazy. If you've got your holiday, allow others to have their holiday too. Take a holiday. It's a holy day, right, is what you break that down into. So anyhow, when it comes to us supporting Israel, praying for Israel, that's something biblical to do. You want to be blessed? God just says it. Bless Israel. You want to be cursed? Curse Israel. They're God's chosen people, not us. Okay? We're chosen in Messiah Jesus, grafted into this Jewish, you know, Israeli vine, so to speak. Amen? So that's, that's where we're at. So Paul is hoping, some would say he's somewhat hoping that going around the Gentile world, that as he delivers this financial gift to the Christians there in Jerusalem who are pretty much all uh, Jewish people that came out of Orthodox Judaism, and now they have Yeshua as Messiah, Lord and Savior, but a lot of them are poor. A lot of them are maybe near starvation. They lost jobs, uh, some getting killed, tortured. Remember what happened to Jesus? And through the book of Acts, what happened with the apostles and disciples? Imagine they're, they're still now there in Jerusalem. And there's a church, a, gather, a, a gathering, a congregation of believers. So he's bringing a financial gift there. Some would say, maybe somewhat to also hope to smooth over the relations between Jew and Gentile. Think about that. Okay. It's interesting to see. So the Gentile Christians that Paul is ministering to were partaking in spiritual things which came from the Jews. The Messiah Jesus is Jewish. The scriptures that we have, you and I have the New Testament, but these weren't written at that time. Paul's writing one of the things that would be cataloged later on. We call the book of Romans into what would be cataloged as the Holy Scriptures. But at that time, they, what did they have? 39 books. The Jews still today call the Tanakh. Okay, you and I call it Old Testament, Old Covenant. By the way, another quick tip. If you're ministering to Jews, don't call it Old Testament. Right away, they, they're trained to just shut you off. Okay, so if you're ministering to Jews, you can minister. Like I have a friend that's a pastor he went and shared, and he shared it over in Jersey, a Calvary Chapel pastor, how um, he brought his fellowship in with this rabbi of, I guess, an Orthodox synagogue. It's like the relations are, are starting to open up, especially if you share with them that, hey, we pray for and support Israel. They want to know because they're looking for people to ally with when they see right now, just as God prophesied even the Old Testament, time, okay, we call it old, that all these nations are going to be against Israel. So, if you go and you tell them, right now a lot of them, they're on their toes. Why? Because they, they're wondering who's going to try to you know, kill them. Uh, they're like, a lot of them are afraid to go outside by themselves. Think about how bad it is. Because right now, just as God prophesied, evil will be called good, and good will be called evil. Think of like what happened right now. I'm not going to make this a political thing, but just this reality is factual. These past couple months. Right, how they were killed, tortured, a lot of the women raped, children taken. They're still hostages right now. Think about this. And though the world try to politicize it, it's not a Republican versus Democrat or independent thing. It's humanity. Think about that. And what was happened with a lot of the Jews, why? Because of being Jewish. So a lot of them will say, Well, you did this to me, you killed my relatives. It's you know, hate upon hate's not gonna make anything good but yet we need to pray for both sides. Okay? It's not a Palestinian versus Jewish thing either. It's not raising one flag and burning the other. Pray 
that Palestinians will receive Jesus as Messiah. Because you know what? Right now, in the Middle East, we're hearing stories and reports that some of that's happening. Where people would never consider Jesus as Jewish Messiah and Savior, would never consider that. But when you're looking at death versus life, and you see people ministering to you, because there's Christian missionaries going in, under the guise of humanitarian aid and support, preaching the gospel. That's happened. That's, this is something that uh, many of us Christians here in the United States look forward to do. And by the way, if you ever want to do that, missions, let me know. Okay? That's a good way to go out and reach people. That's what God did in me and how he brought me here for post-9-11 work. And look, we're the 9-11 church. God birthed a fellowship here. Just what he does. And then after, like, Superstorm Sandy, God brings other people out. Okay? But you could utilize this time and... It's the Lord that will bring this beauty from ashes, right? That's what he says. So the Christians there uh, in the Gentile nations, they were blessed by receiving spiritual things. And he says here, it's their duty also to minister to them in material things. So still today, this principle kind of exists. So pray for the Jews. You and I in this New York City area, there's more Jews per capita in this greater New York area than pretty much outside the Jerusalem Israeli world more than anywhere else. We're surrounded by them. I live in Williamsburg, like South Williamsburg, there's tons of them. Okay? So they're looking for people that'll share with them and want to be a blessing, whereas right now they're saying, I'm being hated on, whether in school, at work, in my neighborhood, just because people know I have a Jewish last name or because I'm of Israeli descent. People are getting killed right now. And it's it's no longer hidden. It's out there in the open. And a lot of people are like clapping and supporting that. You're like, what, what? The murder, the rape, the torture, and kidnapping of people is being celebrated? Shouldn't be so. Okay. So anyhow, let's continue on. Verses 28 and on. Again, Romans chapter 15. By the way, we may, God willing, finish the book today here. Verse 28. Therefore, when I have performed this and have sealed to them this fruit... I should go by way of you to Spain. So after Paul completed this trip to Jerusalem, he wanted to go to Rome and then to Spain. But I know that when I come to you, I shall come in the fullness of the blessing of the gospel of Christ. Verse 30, Now I beg you, brethren, through the Lord Jesus Christ and through the love of the Spirit, that you strive together with me in prayers to God for me, that I may be delivered from those in Judea who do not believe and that my service for Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints, that I may come to you with joy. Ah, joy is one of those words you, you can't read without kind of smiling. Right? Joy. I may come to you with joy by the will of God and may be refreshed together with you. Verse 33, Now the God of peace be with you all. Amen. And so now... Paul's going to give a bunch of greetings to some people in chapter 16, a whole bunch of them, as he closes out this book. Let's read this. Chapter 16, verse 1. I commend you to Phoebe, our sister, who is a servant of the church in Chantria. Verse 2. That you may receive her in the Lord in a manner worthy of the saints and assist her in whatever business she has need of you. For indeed, she has been a helper of many and of myself also. Greet Priscilla and Achilla, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus, who risked their own necks for my life, to whom not only I give thanks, but also all the churches of the Gentiles. 
Likewise, greet the church that is in their house. Greet my beloved Epinetus, who is the first fruits of Achaia to Christ. Greet Mary, who labored much for us. Greet Adronicus and Junia, my countrymen and my fellow prisoners, who are of note among the apostles, who also were in Christ before me. So these were people that were Christians even before Paul. Greet Amplius, my beloved in the Lord. Greet Urbanus, our fellow worker in Christ, and Statius, my beloved. Greet Apelles, approved in Christ. Greet those who are of the household of Aristobulus. Greet Herodian, my countryman. Greet those who are of the household of Narcissus, who are in the Lord. Greet Tryphena and Tryphosa. It sounds like twin names, I'm not sure. Who have labored in the Lord. Greet the beloved Persis, who labored much in the Lord. Greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord, and his mother and mine. Greet Asyncritus, Phlegon, Hermas, Patrobus, Hermes, and the brethren who are with them. Greet Philologus and Julia, Nereus and his sister, and Olympus, and all the saints who are with them. Greet one another with a holy kiss. The churches of Christ greet you. Verse 17 and on. Now I urge you, brethren, note those who cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you learn and avoid them. Verse 18. For those who are such do not serve our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly. And by smooth words and flattering speech deceive the hearts of the simple. I kind of chuckle when I read this. Like they serve their own belly. <laughs> Lord, does that mean if I go to an all-you-could-eat buffet? <laughs> so anyhow, notice this. We're to, quote, note those who cause divisions and offenses in the church. Uh, you need to know, this is really neat. When you study and, and look at the original language, the Greek word for offenses is the word scandalon. Guess what English word we get from scandalon? Scandal! Scandalous! So we might say in English, scandal. So this speaks of when you would be a trapper, say, out in the woods, and you'd get a tree. If you ever watch like some of those uh, like how to survive, survival kind of things. We like watching those sometimes. Anybody else like watching those? You're like, you're out in the snow. The boat leaves, and you're there. And, oh, no, I don't have water. What do you do? And then, dun-dun-dun, the whole episode goes on. So you got to get food. you got to get water. So out in the wilderness... Say you get a, a tree, shrub, and you want to trap maybe small game. You set a bunch of them. So you, you can get a little sapling or a tree or something that has a, a branch that you can stretch out to the ground. And you could take the branch and you stretch it out and maybe you tie some kind of string on, you put it to a rock and you put some kind of bait there, maybe on or next to the rock. Uh, anyhow, the thought is as the animal comes along, it will somehow uh, move the, the thing that you set up, the trap, so that, it's, say, its leg or neck or whatever gets caught in the trap and the, the, the tree, the twig or branch, comes up and all of a sudden now it's hanging and it's stuck. This is this word, scandal, and it speaks of a stick that you would bend over to use for a trap when you wanted to bait and trap an animal. That's the exact Greek word that Paul is using, God's having Paul write here. So he says here, note those who cause divisions and scandalon. That's the word, scandal. In other words, sometimes as a Christian, you could be baited to fall into a trap. Does that make sense now? That's exa- I love how intricate and how specific, how beautiful this language is. 
it speaks of that stick. So sometimes, now knowing this, may the Lord equip us and remind us, sometimes you get in conversation. It could be someone that's like claiming to be a Christian. Oh, you're a Christian? Well, let me check your doctrine. And then they're not wanting to know for fellowship. And by the way, fellowship, spiritual things are exchanged, God is glorified. That's fellowship. Maybe it's that they're trying to be a stick, a scandal on, they want to create a scandal, and they're trying to bait you to trap you. Does that make sense? That happens today. Okay, so let's just be wise. So again, scandal on scandal. It's a stick that you'd bend over to use for a trap when you want to bait and trap an animal. Don't be a trapped animal. <laughs> Amen. Okay, so what does it say to do? So there's going to be some people who spend their time, spend their energies on trying to bait and trap you. So sometimes we think in, in Christianity, oh, let's just pray for this person. That's okay. God, may you give me patience. No, you know what God says? Avoid them. Don't just pray for them. Oh, let me work with them. God's letting you know they're trying to trap you. Okay, Don't put your head in the noose. Like That's okay. Christ will deliver me. You know what God says? Avoid them. <laughs> Avoid them. It's a scandal and it's a trap. So there's some that will claim to be Christians and they're going to try to bait and trap you. They're going to try to cause divisions in the church. A scandal. With you as the one being trapped. Oh, did you hear about what happened to so-and-so? And now it's a sin of gossip. And that'll happen with you and me. So you've got to be careful of that. So God gives you and I advice here to do what? Avoid them. It's pretty simple, right? Avoid them. Don't try to change them. Oh, we just pray for them. Put them on the prayer chain. I know it's been 20 years. They'll change. I know they've, they've destroyed all my finances. They ruined all my friends. They destroyed my five marriages I've been through. You know? No, they're sent by Satan. So guess what God says to do? Avoid them. Avoid them. Pretty simple. I love how sometimes very straightforward God's word is. Amen? He <laughs> says, avoid them. All right? <laughs> and if this is any of us, if this happens in my heart or whatever, confess to the God, repent. Let's continue on. Okay. So again, notice this in verse 18. They might use smooth words. They might use flattering speech to do what? Deceive the hearts of the simple. This is where we need to keep our hearts simple. Look at this in verse 19. This is really the focus that I want us to look at here. For your obedience has become known to all. Therefore, I am glad on your behalf, but I want you to, notice it says, be wise in what is good and simple concerning evil. This word for simple can mean unmixed. It speaks of pure, a purity. Pure as in wines or metals. Now, if you are creating wine or metal, metallurgy, and you want to refine the metals, you heat it up, and you want to purify it. That's why some gold, some silver is more pure than others. So this is, that. speaking of unmixed, it's pure. Another way you could say for this Greek word, innocent. God wants you and I to remain innocent. You might translate this into English as simple. It's not put in a negative or derogatory term. He wants you and I to be like Jesus. Could you ever pin a sin on Jesus? No. So think about this. This greatly convicts and instructs me. Is there anybody else here? Hopefully it is, because it does for me. Now, in the world's ways, the fleshly appetites are drawn to what's evil. Even last night. Uh, me and my son were driving home from being here. It was late at night. I'm like, Saturday late at night. Why is there such traffic? Uh, it was like the, the BQE. I, I was telling him, you see all the red lights? It goes and stretches like you see like a mile ahead, all these red lights. 
This is late Saturday night, and we're not coming into uh, New York City. It's just driving around here on the 278. Uh, okay, it's probably an accident. You know what happens a lot of times in accidents? Say if you're driving on the highway, there's traffic going this way, traffic on your route, and then why is there a lot of traffic on my side? There's a little fender bender maybe on the other side. It's all the looky-loos, all the rubbernecking, right? There's something with the flesh that you want to say, oh, did you see any bodies? You know, all that kind of stuff in the flesh. Okay, so think about that. In the world, the fleshly appetites, they're drawn to evil, they're drawn to bad news. We as Christians need to be drawn to good news, amen? And these are, this is some of the last commands as he closes out this book that God wants you and I to know and to embrace and to preach to others. So God tells you and I to remain innocent concerning the things of evil. Oh, that's okay. Just let him play with that poison. It's only a little drop. That's not going to hurt him. No. You want one, someone to come and put a drop of poison. It's only one drop of poison in your gallon of water. Who here would want to drink that? No. Are you crazy? No. You wouldn't want that. Okay? So don't have things mixed with evil. Here's what Jesus says. If you're taking notes, you probably remember this. Matthew 10, verse 16, Jesus says, Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Now, when he said that, do you think he got the attention of the disciples? Like, wait a second, did the master say wolves? Did he say sheep amongst goats? I mean, sometimes they can mix. No, sheep amidst wolves? Wait a second, wolves eat sheep. Sheep eat grass, God's word, right? And he wants us, like, sheep to eat grass but he's going to send us out sometimes into the world we're going to be there with one people that want to eat us they want to scandalize us they want to bait and trap us that's what jesus said there's no oh, that's just paul in romans no this is what he says again that's matthew 10 verse 16 the good shepherd jesus behold i send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves now he gives you advice amongst that statement was he say continuing on in that verse therefore in other words because i said i'm going to send you out as sheep and there's going to be wolves around you and the sheep's like, this is bad. <laughs> what is he telling you tonight to do? Therefore, be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. That's a good command. That's a good conviction, too. I don't know about you guys. I get convicted. It's like, oh, I need to remember that. I need to remain as that. When I go, I go to work in a place, you know, I'll go back tomorrow after being on vacation for a while. I'm kind of preparing my heart. Lord, I want to be like Moses coming down from the mountain. My head of gloves, like, oh, I've been relaxed. But I've got to also prepare my heart because the majority of customers and almost every single employee there is not born again. And guess what I hear all the time? Potty mouth, potty mouth. I can't hear Gossip galore. Some people I look at like, you're getting paid to talk. <laughs> Get to work. Because <laughs> I look at it through the eyes of like how the managers look at it. And some of them, they'll come by, it's like, hey. And you hear some of them later, oh, like, Lord, get this person saved and help me to be a good example. And oftentimes I'm not the best example. But I've got to realize this is Jesus. He's going to do that at your workplace. How many of you guys know that? I know that. I totally know that. And amongst your family and friends and coworkers and neighbors, they could be like that. But he tells you what? Be wise as serpents. He doesn't say be a serpent. I love the fact that he says wise as. He puts it there. Be wise as serpents. He doesn't say be serpents. And harmless as doves. Harmless. And guess who will protect you? Jesus. I love that. 
Regarding spiritual things, here's what Paul also wrote. If you're taking notes, you need to note this one down. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 20. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 20. Similar sentiment, as he's saying here in Romans 15, as we quoted Jesus in Matthew 10. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 20. Brethren, do not be children in understanding, however, in malice, like having bad intentions. In malice, be babes. Like a baby. Does a baby, we have babies here. Can we imagine cute, cuddly little babies having bad intent? They're like, I want to go destroy the world. We watch these cartoons. Remember the pinky in the brain and those kind of things, right? <laughs> That's, it's funny because you realize that will never happen. But think how innocent and cute and chubby little babies are. They, they're not having malice of like, I want to build a nuclear army. And I want to become the world's superpower. <laughs> Never happen with babies. Be wise as serpents, Jesus says, and harmless as doves. Paul writes again, 1 Corinthians 14, verse 20, In malice be babes, but in understanding be mature. There you go. You're accountable for that which you and I know. And now, whether it's the words of Paul in Romans 15 or 1 Corinthians 14, or Jesus in Matthew 10, Okay. In malice be babes, but in understanding be mature. I like that. In understanding. So when it comes to spiritual understanding, you and I, I include myself in the mix, we need to what? Grow up. I need to mature. We need to be mature. So here's some ways, according to God's word, that we can be wise in what is good and simple concerning evil. If you have your Bible there in Romans 15, Turn to the right. Could you go to another book called Ephesians that Paul wrote? It's a little book to the right. Take a right turn if you're in Romans. Go past 1 Corinthians, go past 2 Corinthians, go past Galatians, and then get to Ephesians, chapter 5. Some of you know Ephesians 5 as the marriage chapter. Yes, it is. But here's what it says before that. Ephesians 5, verse 17 and on. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And he goes on to tell us some of what the will of the Lord is here in verse 18. And do not be drunk in wine. And right away, your heart, like when I was in the world, like, wait a second. <laughs> Doesn't really say that. Yeah, do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation. He gives you the antithetical opposite. But be filled with the Spirit. So being drunk with wine is unwise. Even non-saved people We'll go, that's kind of dumb to be drunk and barf out your guts all the time and say, oh, let's work hard this week and just do it again next week. Dude, you're bored and you just, you hate life. That's why I did drugs and alcohol. Why? Because life is boring without Jesus. It really is. And as a DJ, I realized that you get sick looking at that. I had to be somewhat sober standing in the DJ booth like in clubs and in parties. You see people come in with a smile and they leave like barfing out guts and fights happen like, this is not a good way to live. It's really not. So he says, do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Being drunk with wine is unwise. And being filled with the Spirit, that's a great opposite thing to focus on, to pray for. Focus your time and your energies on being filled with the Spirit. So I love what God doesn't just say, don't do this. He's going to say, do this instead. It's good parenting. And you parents know, your kids like fixate on something. <sighs> you just leave it there in front of them. You say, don't touch it. You turn your back, what are your kids going to do? 
They're going to touch it. They're going to be like, ha, oh, you say don't touch it. Now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hide it from you. I'm going to lie to you. You know, don't eat the cookie. And they got chocolate all over their face. You know, you know the story? Did you eat that cookie? No. And they have it in their hand. And I throw away the evidence. Good parenting. <laughs> don't do this. Do this instead. <laughs> By the way, that's easy to do with the kids, especially when they're little. Be filled with the Spirit. That's a great opposite thing to focus your time and your energies on. So this is being wise in what is good. Look at verse 19 now. We continue on. Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. So speaking God's word to each other. So just quoting the psalms. A lot of you guys do this. I see a lot of people do that. A lot of Christians do that, like even in uh, social media. That's good to do. Okay? Keep doing that, but especially in person, verbally, face-to-face, where people can hear. Speak God's word to each other. Quote the Psalms. Keep singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. That's being wise in what is good. I like that. He doesn't just say, don't drink that. He's going to get you and I to focus on the Holy Spirit, not the spirits. You know, isn't that strange how alcohol is called spirits? Be wise in what is good. Paul also wrote in Colossians 3, verse 16, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. I like this. Singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Singing with grace. Now, it doesn't mean a girl like Grace, the name Grace, that sings really good. Singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord. You can't sin in, the, sin in the name of Jesus, can you? Whatever you do, oh, Lord, I hate this job. Okay, talk to Jesus through it. You're doing this for him. Oh, that totally changes things. I can scrub toilets. I do this at my workplace. I can clean walls. One of the managers came in after I cleaned the whole bathroom. I'm sitting there praying to Jesus. I, this is prayer time. It took me a long time to do it. I was cleaning. I look at all the, the touch points, the handles. It's a public restroom. One of the managers came in after. I didn't plan it. And he came out and was like, that restaurant is really clean. I'm just, thank you, Jesus. So I have in my mind when I'm serving the Lord, whether here or at work or whatever I'm doing, Jesus, what if you're the next person to come in here? Usually people are like, oh, that's so messy, man. I'm not going in there. <laughs> Call the paramedics. Oh. So it might be your job then and your test of the Lord to change things. So others come in and you're serving them by serving Jesus by serving them. All right, let's continue on. Look what it says in verse 20. Giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. To be giving thanks always for all things to God, that's being wise in what is good. Some of you parents know. Your kids are always complaining. It's like, nah, 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 10 negative things. Is there anything positive you could say? And all of a sudden, you could just change your tune. We call that change the channel. I got to remind myself that. I'm going to change the channel. You guys know what I'm talking about when you grew up like, Click, click, click. Change the channel. Sometimes it's just this negative stream. Change the channel. Now, I need to be thankful. And once you're thankful, you have the attitude of gratitude, what happens? God changes things. That's a biblical principle. Now you're compliant. You're being, obeying his word. He could change and transform you now in your heart and mind. Submitting to one another in the fear of God. Oh, no. That becomes before the marriage passage. Dun, dun, dun. No, is it submitting to one another? And not just in the fear of, oh no, they're going to spank me. Oh no, they're going to yell at me. 
If I don't say something nice, no, it says, what, in the fear of God. So submitting to one another in the fear of God, that's being wise in what is good. Not only these things, but of course to study and know and to apply God's word, that's being wise in what is good, amen? There's a lot of things. Let's come back to Romans now 16. We're going to close out the book. Verse 20, Romans 16, verse 20. And the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet shortly. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. Timothy, my fellow worker, and Lucius, Jason, and Sosipater, my countrymen, greet you. I, Tertius, who wrote this epistle, greet you in the Lord. So Paul would dictate this letter. This is actually what happened. This person is like, oh, slow down, Paul. <laughs> writing this. And he would write it. And today we got Siri or Chat GPT or, you know, all these different oh, my devices are going off. We have all these Alexa. <laughs> we have all these things, right? But back then, Paul would speak this. And by the way, that's a good thing to do. Sometimes you think better as you speak it out loud. Anybody else like that? I'm like that. As I might say something, I'll speak it out loud. You hear it, you're like, your brain's like, no, 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 no good. No bueno, change that. <laughs> so this is what would happen. I, Tertius, who wrote this epistle, greet you in the Lord. The guy that's actually writing it <laughs> right now for Paul. 23, Gaius, my host, and the host of the whole church, greets you. Erastus, the treasurer of the city, greets you. And Quartus, a brother, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. So now we have the benediction the closing of this book. Can we all stand, please? Shall we all stand? Let's read this benediction together, if we can, from verse 25. As we close out the book, praise God, verse 25, ready? Now to him who is able to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery kept secret since the world began, but now made manifest and by the prophetic scriptures made known to all nations according to the commandment of the everlasting God for obedience to the faith to God alone wise be glory through Christ Jesus Christ forever. Amen. Father, we thank you for helping us to complete this book, every chapter, every verse, every word. And we Look to you, Lord, the author and perfecter of our faith. We ask you to please help us, God, to not just read the book, not just to know it, but to apply this, God. Help us as we leave here. We leave in a little while. Help us to leave as missionaries, wherever you send us around the planet. But God, we ask that you would please encourage us, bring to our memories, whether we're walking to work or taking the bus, subway or driving, whether we're at home or this time of year as we spend time with friends and family, bring these words to our memories and help us, God, to walk them out. Help us to preach these things to each other and to the world for your glory and yours alone. We pray in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Amen.